In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to Jesus Christ. We are gathered here for one of the sacraments, one of the mysteries of the church. Sacrament of holy unction, holy anointing. Sometimes people refer to it as the sacrament of healing, and indeed it is. But it is important for us to not just have information about, but to realize deeply what we mean when we say healing. And for that matter, what we mean when we speak of the sacraments of the church. It's very important for us not to reduce, not to shrink what a sacrament is. For example, we might, even though we wouldn't admit to it, find ourselves thinking such thoughts as, well, it's good to come to church to receive the holy anointing as if it were some sort of religious health insurance. But of course, it's not that. Also, it might be a temptation for us to think, even though we might deny that we were thinking it, that especially if I should have, and, and probably all of us do have, infirmities of some sort, infirmities of body, mind, soul, infirmities that pass, and perhaps some of us have infirmities that are not going to pass in this life. And we may think that Receiving healing from God, getting healing from God for our infirmities is the most important thing. Well, certainly it is well-pleasing to the Lord that we are gathered in his presence, and it is in his presence that we are gathered to ask what is best for for us, but we cannot be the ones to determine what that best thing is. We must place ourselves in his hands, and then we can receive the healing that he wishes to give us. Now, in the prayers for the sacrament of the holy anointing. There are many prayers, by the way, and we're not going to use all of them this evening. But one of the prayers, it's a rather long one, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but surprisingly, it does not speak of healing at all. It's the first prayer of seven that are prescribed for this sacrament. 
And here is a summary of it. It asks the Lord to send the Holy Spirit and to make the oil holy and cause it to be for those who are about to be anointed perfect remission of their sins. You will remember that when the four men brought the paralyzed man to the Lord Jesus and could not reach him because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and broke up the tiles and let him down that way. And the Gospel tells us that Jesus, seeing their faith, says nothing about the man who was paralyzed. Talks about those who are carrying him. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, the Pharisees who are always ready to find fault with what the Lord Jesus says, ask the question, who is this to claim to forgive sins? And then Jesus asks another question. He says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say get up and walk? Now, we might be puzzled by those words. We might ask, is the Lord saying that the man is paralyzed because he has committed some sin and God has punished him in this way? That's not the kind of cause and effect that Jesus is talking about between sin and sickness. He made it clear on another occasion when they brought to him the man who was born blind in the Gospel of John, and the apostles asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus says, neither this man sinned nor his parents. Now, in saying that, he was not claiming that the blind man or his parents were sinless, but he was saying that it, you can't trace a cause and effect between this person's sin and that person's affliction. And then he goes on to say, neither this man's sin nor his parents, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. So that's the purpose of this holy sacrament, that the works of God might be revealed in us who receive it with faith. Now this prayer that I am quoting goes on to say, Your holy child, Jesus Christ, regenerates us from sin. He enlightens the blind. He raises those cast down. He loves the righteous, shows mercy to sinners. He leads us out of darkness and the shadow of death and says to those who are in bondage, come forth, and to those in darkness, be revealed. For he has illumined our hearts with the light of the knowledge of his countenance. For our sake, he revealed himself on earth and dwelt with men. 
And to those who accepted him, he gave the power to become children of God, granting us adoption through the font of regeneration, that we might be no longer held in bondage to the devil. Let this oil, O Lord, become the oil of gladness, the oil of sanctification, a royal garment, an armor of might, the driving away of every action of the devil and a seal against his snares, the joy and eternal gladness of the heart. Notice that in the prayer, all the things that are asked for right then and there do not at that point speak of healing. Rather, they speak of something that is beyond healing. Gladness, sanctification, a royal garment, the joy and eternal gladness of the heart. For those who have within themselves the joy and eternal gladness of the heart are indeed healed. So we must not, when we prepare to and then receive this sacrament, we must not replace what comes first with something that is good but comes second. God is able by his almighty power to heal in any way that he is pleased to do. He can give sight to the blind. He can restore the paralyzed. He can even call those from death back to life, as he did and as also his disciples did. It is claimed of St. Pantelemon, whom we honor, that he called a dead person back to life. It is said that such miracles as these still take place, often in areas of the world far away from here where the faith is new and perhaps more vibrant than where we are, where things have become somewhat tired and somewhat gray. St. Pantelemon we honor as a healing saint because, in the end, he gave his life up for the faith. The miracles that are described by St. Pantelemon begin with the relics of his own blood that it is said to this day in some places of the world where they are venerated remains fresh and red and liquid. Now that is an image, you could say an icon not of designs but rather an icon of the blood that shows this joy and eternal gladness of the heart. Jesus our Lord promised us a number of things. Among these things are that we would have tribulation in this world. I mentioned this in the reflection last evening. In this world you will have tribulation, 
The last words of the Lord to his disciples before his passion. In this world you will have tribulation. Tribulation is a special kind of suffering. Suffering is a generic term. Tribulation is a specific term. Tribulation is the kind of suffering that people endure who struggle to be faithful to Christ in a world that rejects him. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, he says. I have overcome the world. The gospel begins and ends with the proclamation of this joy and eternal gladness of the heart. When the priest Zechariah is in the temple and is told by Archangel Gabriel that he's about to become the father of a son, together with his wife Elizabeth, and they will have great joy and gladness at his birth. Archangel Gabriel greets the Holy Mother of God with a word that is often in English translations of the Bible, translated as hail, but really it means rejoice. Gabriel's greeting to Mary is a greeting of joy. The lowly shepherds are told that glad tidings of great joy are given to them. For today is born to you a Savior, Christ the Lord. At the end of the gospel, after the ascension, we are told that the disciples return to Jerusalem in great joy. It is the joy and eternal gladness of the heart that conquers the darkness of Satan. And that, I would suggest to you, dearest brothers and sisters, should be the first grace that we pray for in this sacrament. Restore to me, says the psalm, the joy of your salvation. Without joy, there is no Christianity. However infirm we may be, whatever specific healings we may request, may God grant them. But may he first grant the infusion of the joy that conquers the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, says St. John, who leaned on the breast of Christ and drank from his heart the truths of the gospel. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Now, I'll finish by reading to you just a few sentences from my teacher, Father Alexander Schmemann's reflections upon the sacrament of anointing. Many people present religion as something that helps. Try it, it helps. But it is here that we reach the heart of the matter. For Christianity, help is not the criterion. Truth is the criterion. 
The purpose of Christianity is not to help people by reconciling them with sickness and death, which are the result of evil and sin and exist as enemies to be overcome, but to reveal the truth about life and death in order that people may be saved by this truth. Salvation, however, is not only not identical with help, but is, in fact, quite different from it. Christianity is not here to help us cope with death. We are told by the scripture that through fear of death, we are held in lifelong bondage. All of our fears, the fear that has enveloped our society, especially in the last years, all those fears proceed from the fear of death. We are those who claim that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, it is proclaimed to us on the morning of Pascha, let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. Only in Christ is the defeat of death to be found. A sacrament is always a transformation. It's not some kind of magic. We harm ourselves, actually, if we think of the sacraments as magical. It's what those who rejected the sacraments at the time of the Reformation, accused the Catholics of doing, believing in a kind of magic. Jesus does not make evil disappear magically. Poof, it's gone. When he heals people in the Gospel, St. Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah, and says, surely he has borne our infirmities. Where did all those sicknesses and infirmities and ultimately death, where did they go? They didn't just magically disappear. They were absorbed into the only one who could absorb them, the Son of God, who was stronger than them, yet assumed our weakness to take away the tyranny that the fear of those infirmities and ultimately the fear of death has over us, holding us in lifelong bondage. Sacraments are transformation. Water becomes the means by which eternal life is given. Bread and wine that we have transformed because God has given us the gift of being able to create not things out of nothing, but we can create things out of something. And we can take wheat and grapes. Notice we don't offer just plain wheat and grapes to the Lord. We take them and transform them into bread and wine. They have our mark on them. Nobody else does that. Animals don't do it and angels don't do it. 
we do it. That creative transformation has our mark on it. We bring it to the Lord and he transforms it further into that which is beyond this world. So that which is of this world is transformed into that which is beyond this world. In holy marriage, the bride and the groom meet at the entry of the church and there they make their consent and exchange the signs of their human love in the rings. Then they're brought forward in a great entrance like the bread and wine of the Eucharist into the church where their human love is transformed by divine love into that which is beyond the human. And in the sacrament of holy anointing, our sorrows, our infirmities, our sicknesses are transformed into the joy and eternal gladness of the heart. A woman, says Jesus in the gospel, when she's about to give birth, has sorrow and pain. But when the child is born, she rejoices. And it shall be so with you, he says. You shall be sorrowful, but I will come to you, and your sorrow will be changed into joy. So, as we proceed now with this service, and ask to be given the grace of the Holy Spirit himself, who is the oil of the Lord. When we say, Kyrie eleison, hospiti pomiloi, Lord have mercy, that Greek word for mercy, eleos, is exactly the same word as the word for oil. To say, Lord have mercy, is to say exactly the same thing as Lord oil us. So let this sacrament that we receive be the Lord oiling us. The Lord Jesus who is anointed by the Father, the Father who anoints the Son who is the anointed one and the Holy Spirit who is the anointing, who gives this same anointing to us. So let us open our hearts, open our minds, open our bodies to receive this anointing that bestows upon us who receive in faith the joy and eternal gladness of the heart. Amen.